Our scripture today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. This is not one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. Another version in the Gospels, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's always an uncomfortable thing to pray. Forgive us, O God, in the same way as we forgive others. To the degree that we forgive others, O God, please forgive us. Now, I don't know about you, but I sometimes find it hard to let go of things. And I feel like we can say that it is almost a truism that forgiveness is only easy for those who have not been profoundly wronged. Forgiveness is only easy for those who have never faced something that is incredibly unjust, incredibly unfair, unfair, incredibly oppressive. Forgiveness only seems easy if life itself seems easy. But easy or not, Christians are called to forgive and Christians are reminded that if we do not forgive, we place ourselves at peril. At the end of this paragraph where the Lord's Prayer is being taught, verses 14 and 15, go back to this whole idea. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so there have been times in my life when I have said the Lord's Prayer, and the Lord's Prayer is a regular part of my devotional life. I use it multiple times a day and and on Sundays also. And I want to say instead of forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, I want to say, oh God, do a much better job of forgiving me than I have done at forgiving the people who have offended me. I don't really want God to forgive like I do. I want God to do it a whole lot better. I can remember a time many years ago when someone did something to one of my family members that I found particularly mean and particularly offensive. And quite frankly, if I'm to be honest about it, I despised this person. Now, there's something that happens when you let this cancer of hatred begin to grow in your heart. It goes on replay in your mind, and if you don't watch out... When you get up in the morning, you'll be thinking about what old so-and-so said about you. What a jerk he is anyway. Where did he get off saying that kind of stuff? What was he thinking? It was just a pain. 
If you don't watch it as you're going to bed, when we should be thankful for the gifts that God has given us through the day, our mind will go back to this scenario and we'll replay it again. And if you don't watch it, there will be other triggers throughout the day, like unloading the dishwasher and you'll be sitting there having an argument with somebody who's not even in the room. You'll be sitting there proving to yourself and anybody else you'll acknowledge it to that you have allowed somebody rent-free space in your brain. And they've taken up residence there. They don't even know it. Forgiveness can be hard. I realized as I was praying the Lord's Prayer in this season of my life that I really did not want God to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I wanted God to forgive me, but I wanted license to remain in my own bitterness and my own anger and angst and just general perturbedness. It's hard to pray that prayer. There was a priest, you may have heard the story of the priest that was on the battlefield and he was cradling the head of a dying soldier and he said to the soldier, are you sorry for your sins? The soldier said, Father, if I am honest, I must say to you, no, I am not sorry for my sins. The priest prayed a silent prayer and as he As he held this man's head, he said, My son, are you at least sorry that you are not sorry for your sins? And as the story goes, with tears streaming down his face, this dying soldier on the battlefield said, Yes, Father, I am very sorry that I am not sorry for my sins. And the story says that the priest offered there on the battlefield the last rites for this dying man who, while he was not sorry for his sins, was at least sorry that he was not sorry for his sins. Where you and I often find ourselves when we talk about forgiveness is that there is this reality of anger in our hearts and sometimes it's justified anger and sometimes it's unjust but it's just there and in these moments the way that we are to deal with such anger is not hiding from God but but acknowledging exactly before God what's going on I remember praying the Lord's Prayer and thinking well I despise this guy and God knows I despise this guy I might as well be honest about it And so my prayer went something like this. Lord, I've just prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I just can't stand so-and-so. I despise him. I hate him. I know that that's not where I need to be. Help me. Help me to have something besides that in my heart toward this man. I prayed that prayer. I kept praying that prayer. I prayed that prayer for a year and a half. And after a year and a half, I was praying and suddenly I realized that I didn't, 
I didn't have hatred in my heart anymore. I mean, I didn't want to go on vacation with the guy or anything like that. But I didn't have this hatred and intense dislike that I had started out with. A couple of months later, I received an invitation, a celebration for this guy. I thought, well, I've come some way. I'm not sure I've come that far. And so I prayed about it. And I prayed about it, and I realized that that anger wasn't there anymore. And not only that, but I realized there were three specific things that I could think of that this person had done for the community we lived in. And the place we lived was a better place because he had been there and because he had some influence there. And suddenly I realized that I'd be able to go, and I'd be able to celebrate. I wouldn't stay very long, (laughs) but I went in, and I celebrated after all. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's almost like if we enter into the orbit of Christ and his power, the closer we get the more forgiveness is real. And if forgiveness is real, we both accept it and offer it. The further we get from Christ and the sphere of his influence, the less we embrace God's forgiveness, the less we offer it. It's an inconvenient truth that forgiveness is not an option for a Christian. Forgiveness is one of those commands that the Lord has offered to us. It's one of those, one of those tasks that we see as early as the Old Testament, two ways that it can move out from, from a person, from an individual. We see Jonah the great prophet, go and preach against Nineveh. Now, let me tell you about Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire has done away with the northern tribes of Israel, taken them into exile. The Jewish people didn't like the Ninevites. They represented the opposing power in the world. Jonah is called to go to the capital city. And he's called to give the message that, quite frankly, he wants to give. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall perish. He initially runs. But at the end of the book, he tells us why he runs. He runs because he goes and he preaches, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall perish. And he sits down and he waits on the fire to fall from heaven. But his preaching is effective, and the Ninevites, the, the Ninevites repent, and Jonah begins to sulk. I knew it, he said. This is why I didn't want to go in the first time, he says. You are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you relent from punishing, and I wanted to see fire, and you offer pardon. 
The book of Jonah closes with the sun shining on Jonah's head. And Jonah sulking because God is far more gracious than he is. And God is far more willing to forgive than is his prophet. Earlier in the Old Testament, we see Joseph. If ever anybody had a reason to complain, it's Joseph. Joseph's brother is jealous of his multicolored coat. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. He is taken down to Egypt where he is accused of sexual impropriety that he did not take place in. He is sent to prison and seems lost and forgotten there. When finally he rises to prominence and his brothers come and find out who he is. They're terrified that he has held a grudge for all of these years. Joseph hasn't held a grudge. Joseph has seen that what they intended for harm, God has brought them all through and given him the opportunity to bless them in spite of themselves. Joseph, one who is willing to forgive. Dear Christian, I don't know who it is that is in your life, and maybe you're one of those rare people that don't have anybody in your life that has irritated you to no end. Maybe you don't have an arch nemesis, or maybe you do. You know you do if the whole time I've been talking, you've had somebody in your mind, oh no, oh no, you say. Let me tell you this, without God's help, you and I can't forgive. Without God's help, we are lost in our bitterness, in our anger, in our anxiety, in these holding patterns. patterns. Without God's help, we can't do this work that he's called us to of forgiveness. But what's the alternative? Say someone comes and sits down in my study and says, you know what, my neighbor is the worst neighbor in the whole world. Every time the wind blows and a tree drops a limb on his property, he's knocking on my door saying, when are you going to clean that up? Whenever my dog goes out, he's got this property line in his, in his mind and he's, he's watching where the dog steps. I just can't stand the guy. What's my pastoral advice going to be? You know what, just think about that all the time. I want you to put a sign with your neighbor's name beside your bed. I I want you to write it in erasable marker on on your mirror in the bathroom so you'll think about it every time you go in there. I I want you to, to constantly nurture the hatred and the animosity that you feel now. Let's see if we can't make it a bit worse. That's no way to live. That's no way to find joy. That's no way to embrace what the Bible calls the peace that passes understanding. If we are to embrace God's peace, then there is something that is fundamental about receiving God's forgiveness and having a heart that is willing to offer that forgiveness to others. It starts not necessarily 
in its full-blown character. But it starts sometimes with a simple prayer. God, here's where I am. I'm really having a problem with so-and-so. And I know that my heart is not right toward this person. Help me. And when I pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Please do a better job than I do because I stink. And if you pray that prayer long enough, if you persist in wanting and believing, then God can do a work of grace in your heart. And you can have a heart that is characterized not by anger and bitterness, but by forgiveness and grace. Today, before us, there are symbols of the grace of God that is offered to us. Now, some of us struggle with offering grace to others. But let me remind you that before we can give something away, we must have it ourselves. In this sacrament, God offers his life, his presence, his spirit, his son. In this sacrament, God offers us what we need so that we may be a people who first want to be a forgiving people, but who receive the pardon of Jesus and pass it on to all in our orbit. Let us pray.